0: Hello, and welcome. I'm Kate Wing, and I spend a lot of time thinking about the planet and how we measure and manage it. I especially like to think about the majority of this planet, which is the ocean part, because the ocean is amazing, and it's complicated, and it's super hard to measure. And I like a challenge. And I also like fish. And if you're someone like me, who thinks about fish and tech and questions like, how long is it gonna take some particular invasive algae to hitch enough rides on a bunch of container ships and then take over all the world's major ports? Well, you have to think about data. And that's how I found myself thinking about data a lot. You might have heard we're living in a new data age where there's something called big data and people are mining data like coal or brokering data like stock market traders. You and I are constantly creating data by using the apps on our cell phone or walking in front of a security camera at the grocery store, but it's not always clear what that data is or what happens to it or if any of us have any ability to control any of that. You, whether you wanted to or not, just got a new set of jobs as a data creator, a data subject, maybe a data analyst, uh, even a data steward that you didn't really apply for. And those new roles are on top of the rest of your already packed life. Data world, it is a lot. And you might be thinking, it is too much, like, really, do I need to think about this data stuff? And also, I thought you said this podcast was going to be about fish and ocean stuff. Okay, well, yes and yes. First off, you already have some data literacy. You have some data intuition. If you've been car shopping and you've compared different dealers and prices and models, if you've made some recipe over and over to get it just the way you want it, if you've managed your business or your household finances, you have been working with data. you've used it, you've looked at it, you've answered questions with it. Just because nowadays we're putting the word data in front of everything doesn't mean data wasn't actually there before. We're just adding a new word. So don't think you're starting from zero. You've got some data muscles already that you can build up to take a more active role in the data systems around you. And this podcast is the first in a series of podcasts about developing those data muscles and mindsets. And just as you can use a lot of things as weights, if you want to go strengthen your arms, you can lift kettlebells. You can lift big cans of tomatoes. You can lift your kids. You can use lots of examples when we're talking about data training. And that's where the fish come in. We are going to use fish and ocean stuff to think about data. So let's start from the basics. What exactly is data? I want you right now, if you're in a safe space, you're not driving, to think of a fish. Any fish will do. Get it in your head, picture it clearly. And what are all the things you see? The colors, the shape of the body, how many fins there are, where they are, how big it is. Maybe you pictured it on the deck of a boat or on the end of a line or in an aquarium. Maybe you have sounds in the background, images of the sky and the weather, seagrasses in the back, the motion of the boat Maybe this was the biggest fish you've ever seen, the first fish you ever caught, the fish you always wanted to catch, but that always swam just out of reach. All of that, everything you just thought and felt about that fish, can be data. I'm going to cite the great authority that is Wikipedia on data. And yes, Wikipedia is actually a pretty good place to look up science things like this. Data can be defined as characteristics or information collected through observation. Maybe you had a completely imaginary fish in mind, so you weren't drawing on an actual observation. But you still recorded what you pictured in your mind, what you observed from your imaginary fish. And if it was a real fish, whenever you saw that fish, your very clever and observant brain collected that data. Probably a lot of it. So. Does that mean data is everything? Is it like the matrix with like numbers streaming through the air and there's no end to data, anything can be data? Sort of. Data is what you make from the world around you. It's what you're collecting through your observations and what you're recording. So if data is characteristics or information collected through observation, let's unpack that a little bit. What's a characteristic? It's a trait, it's a condition. It's the quality of something. It's the price of something, how hot or cold it is. It's what the date is, what time it is. It can be the address, it can be color, it can be the condition. If we're thinking about your fish, it could be the number of fins. It could be the shading and color of the top of the fish. There are two types of characteristics that people often talk about when they talk about data. The first is quantitative data. That refers to numbers. Those are discrete values, things you can calculate, that you can add and subtract, multiply and divide. They are also sometimes called numerical data. Qualitative data has to do with qualities. These are generally not numbers. They're usually descriptive data, like good, fair or poor, or a name of something, like the name of the town you live in, the name of your boat, This data can sometimes be called categorical data. So we have quantitative data and qualitative data. Those are types of data that you can collect from the world around you. And when I say collect, that is a key part of the data as well. It has to be recorded or measured or captured in some way. If a tree falls in the forest and there's no audio sensor recording it, we can argue about whether or not it made a sound, but if nothing recorded it, it didn't make any data. So let's go back to that fish. Pull that fish back up in your mind, and here's some of the data you might recall from that fish. The length of the fish in inches or centimeters, that's quantitative data. It's a numeric value. How many fins it has, how many spots it has, that's quantitative too. You could count up that number of fins and write it down. What time of day you saw this fish? That could be quantitative. You remember the exact time, 0643. You remember the exact date. Or maybe it's more qualitative. Late afternoon, late fall, early spring. The color of the tail, that's a category. That's qualitative. Unless you actually had a sensor to measure the wavelength of the color, it's a category, like red, blue, or green. The story of how you caught that fish, well, that's a longer piece of data, qualitative, and maybe even completely different way of thinking about how to record your data through stories. Let's set those stories aside for now. So all of that data that you thought of, that you recorded from that fish in your mind, if you wrote that all down on a piece of paper, typed it into a spreadsheet, or read it into an audio recording, you'd have some recorded data. How you record that data creates the data's format. If you wrote down your fish story or your description, either by hand or by typing it into a word processor, you have text data. That data is formatted as text. If you took a photo of the fish or you drew its outline on a piece of paper or painted it and made a fish print and scanned it in, you have image data. If you type that data into a spreadsheet, whether those were categories and colors or numbers and dates, you have a table of data, sometimes called tabular data. And you can turn that spreadsheet into a bunch of very different formats that computers can read. That data is sometimes called machine readable data. And if you use a trip mapping program on your boat or on your phone, you might have the path of your trip to go find that fish. And that could be a map layer, sometimes called a map file or a shape file or a GIS geographic information system file. So that's your data. It's what you saw, what you recorded, what you collected. It's recorded in some way, in some type of format, and now you have it. We went from the fish in your mind to the data you recalled about that fish to the records of that data. The data was the tool to transfer one event, one story, into a box of different pieces that could be reassembled into a version of the original event or combined with pieces of other stories to create a perspective broader than just one fish or just one trip. And now, in a way, those records are your fish. If you and I never met, never spoke, but I picked up the box of data pieces, your files about your fish, would I be able to put that picture back together that you had in your mind? What would I be able to see if I put all those data pieces back together? This is why being curious and intentional about how you live in data world matters. Because what you gather, what you share, and how you share it affects what we can know about the world, what we learn about you, and your experiences. If you're part of the fish world already, you fish, you buy fish, you ship fish, you sell fish, you serve fish in your restaurants, you track boats and fish, you know this because you're already an essential part of the data system. We wouldn't know what happens on the ocean, underneath it, and what comes out of the sea and travels through the world's supply chains without the data that you create. You're responsible and sometimes required to be that essential first data collector, recording essential parts of the data as the fish moves from sea to hook to plate. When that data system breaks down, we can't get a good picture of what happened, and that image of your fish, that one we started with, starts missing more and more pieces, like a jigsaw puzzle falling apart, until maybe we just have one tiny glimpse of a fin in view. In fisheries, like most other natural resource systems, rivers, forests, prairies, coastal marshes, we don't have what they call big data, What people like to talk about is this enormous wealth of data somewhere up in the cloud, trillions and trillions of pieces of data generated every second, something like Facebook or the global banking system. Sure, in the world of nature data, we have weather data and we have some satellite photos, but when it comes to counting the number of trees or tracking wildlife, we have small, scattered and sparse data. What we have is precious. What we have is what we set out to gather, what we plan for, what we carefully record, what we take care of and store, and what we share to learn more than we can from any one data source alone. That data creation and stewardship doesn't just happen on its own. It's up to all of us to not only improve the quality and the quantity of the data, but to make sure we keep that context, all of those pieces of data, how it was gathered, what we thought about our fish, what we know about our fish, all the way through the data collection process from the moment we first set out to the moment we enter the data into our data formats. If we lose that context, we can easily jump to the wrong conclusions or waste energy on data that we can't actually use. In the next episode, we'll get more into the why of data, planning for data collection, thinking about your data systems, and your data lifecycle. But for now, take a look at the world around you and think of the data it contains and how you might record it or how you might want someone else to think about the data you recorded sometime in the future. Thanks for joining our first Fish Data 101 podcast. May your seas be calm and your data nice and clean. Today's show is brought to you thanks to Melanie Scroggins, Dirk Slater, Kim Gordon, Katie Latonich, the great people of the Data Literacy Network, and whale sharks, which can grow to be more than 60 feet long just by filter feeding tiny plankton out of the ocean.